Hey there, Wolfpack fans. It's me again, Kenton Gibbs, and we're bringing you the panic meter for Pack 9 as well as NBA 2K style ratings for all of our incoming basketball transfers on today's episode of Locked On Wolfpack. You are Locked On NC State, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back in. Uh, as always, I'm Grayson Boone. That's Kenton Gibbs, and this is Locked On Wolfpack. Thank you for making Locked On Wolfpack your first listen every day. As always, we are free and available wherever you get your podcast on YouTube. And soon, this is an exciting announcement, soon to come on Sirius XM Radio. We're extremely excited about that. But thank you for listening to us each and every day. Kenton, the first thing we have to talk about in this episode. I've mentioned it a couple times, talk about Wolfpack baseball. I've pleaded, I've encouraged about we can. there's still time to make up and right our wrongs. I'm hitting the panic button. Today's the day I, I just hit the panic button. So please picture all of our listeners, all of our watchers on YouTube. You know that easy button from Staples, the big red easy button? and you click it, and it says, that was easy. I just clicked it three times, and it says, I'm panicking about Wolfpack baseball. And I'll tell you why. Thursday night, we had game one on the road against Notre Dame in the first of our last three ACC series of the regular season. I've mentioned it on here before. We have blanked around and found out too much. It's do or die, literally, now or never. You have to win the series or you are in jeopardy of your season coming to an abrupt halt. Well, uh, we're in bad shape going into games two and three of the Notre Notre Dame series. We have now dropped game one here on Thursday night, uh, squandered another game, another lead late into the game. It was more of the same, some boneheaded mistakes some lackluster execution and it hurt us. It hurt us per usual. Uh, Kenton, did you, did you catch any of this game? What are your immediate thoughts before I start breaking this thing down? I am, uh, I'm, I'm on board with you. I, if there was a panic meter on the scale of one to 10, yes, I'm obviously pushing the panic button too. I'm at about a nine. I'm at about a nine because the 10 heads need to roll. At 10, something needs – there needs to be major changes to the program at a 10. Right now I'm at about an 8.59. And this is a situation where I'm looking around and saying to myself, we're too talented for this. We're objectively too talented to be in a situation. I don't think that people realize how bad or how dire of a situation we're in. Grayson. I had no clue that teams could miss the ACC tournament before today. I had no clue. But apparently, if the ACC tournament started tomorrow, we'd be on the outside looking in. Am I correct there? That is correct. You can miss the ACC tournament. And if it started tomorrow, we would not be there. I I don't know how you wouldn't want to panic with that. I This is not hyperbole. This is not a joke. 
I saw one of the most boneheaded plays I have ever seen in my life in any sport. What is considered uh, basically a, a own net goal, if you're talking hockey. What is considered a Dan Orlovsky running out of the back of the end zone, if you're talking football. What is considered a, a own basket layup, if you're talking basketball. The base running era that we saw today, where we went from potentially having bases loaded with no outs to two outs and a runner on just first because of two base running gaffes that are, they're, they're the level of America's funniest home videos. The whole time that they were doing it, all I heard was because it was clownery. It was buffoonery happening on that diamond. So I am extremely concerned. I'm not so concerned that heads need to roll tomorrow, but I'm concerned. To illustrate this base running play, for those that were not able to see it, I'll, I'll kind of fill in the lines here. So what had happened was Peyton Green walked. He's on first base. Kalai Harrison comes up and bunts for a single. He's safe. So now we have runners on first and second with no outs. Noah Souls then comes up and also bunts. The catcher comes up with the ball to try and throw out Noah, bobbles it. And so at this point, everyone is going to be safe if things hold there. Well, the catcher was, of course, off of the plate, fielding the ball. The pitcher's off the mound, assisting with this in case the catcher cannot complete the play. Peyton Green then rounds third base too aggressively because he sees the opening and no one is home at the plate and just inches too far down the line and paid for it dearly. The catcher then turns, sees how far Peyton Green is down the line, throws him out at third, and then this is where we compounded the mistake because Kalai Harrison then also got too greedy trying to take third base in the event that Peyton Green was tagged out but did not make it there, also found himself in no man's land. And as as Kenton just mentioned, we're about to have bases loaded with no outs, and in the blink of the eye, we, are, we just ran literally ran ourselves into a double play for seemingly – no reason. It was a rally killer and a moment we really could have used it to, you know, in an effort to put away Notre Dame. Um, it was a it was a extremely pivotal moment in the game. Of course, there were more after this. Uh, we did end up regaining the lead by a score of six four after a clutch base hit uh, from Peyton Green, but we had yet another outfield infield miscommunication. There's a shallow fly ball into center field. Point blank period should have been caught by the center fielder, Trevor Candelaria. Kind of moseyed in lacklusterly. I don't know if that's a word, but you get what I'm trying to say here. Kalai Harrison was not able to reel it in. That ball drops. Uh, I don't think it was on that play specifically, but Notre Dame then regains the lead 7-6 shortly after that. Peyton Green ties it up. Uh, with a a home run that I still don't think has quite frankly landed yet uh, to tie it at seven later on. I'm par- I'll paraphrase the rest of it. We give up a two-run home run in the bottom of the eighth to go down by a score of 9-7, and that was the final result. Extremely uh, frustrating loss, extremely disappointing loss, and yeah, I mean, I have I've tapped this panic button now multiple times here tonight. 
because if you don't win the next two of this Notre Dame series, I think that's the season. Even with two more series left to play, if you lose this series at Notre Dame, I think that's the season. My man, Grayson, uh, what did you major in the state, Grayson? Kenton Freeze. Oh, there he is. Uh, what did you major in the state, Grayson? I apologize. Can you hear me now? Science, technology, and society. Okay. I, I, I thought that you I were a psych- you. I thought you were a psychology major there because it sounded like you had a Freudian slip when you were talking about the base running. You said there was a pitiful a pivotal. No, you had it right the first time. There was a pivotal, a pitiful <laughs> error in base running because again, I'm it was I'm both. very concerned. It's it was both. It was both pivotal and pitiful. And I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this. There are people right now saying that regardless of what happens in the rest of this series and in essence in the rest of the season, some heads need to roll, right? Because we would all be shocked to say the least to see NC State run a table for all of the rest of of what we have in front of us. With that being said, who do you think you're looking at and saying, or is there anybody that you're looking at and saying, heads need to roll and yours needs to be the first up? Uh, I wouldn't say so much heads needed to roll, but uh, like we mentioned before we jumped on here, I think Avent is an easy target, of course, because he is the head of the snake. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he gets unfairly blamed for a lot of things because we're talking about just boneheaded execution. And this is, you know, being made by the players. Avent's not on the field letting fly balls hit the ground and overrunning uh, third base to run into a double play. That's not on Avent. He can right. put the players in the correct position, but it is then up to the players to execute at the level that they have been, you know, I would assume properly taught to. So it's just the execution has not been there. It wasn't there tonight on Thursday. It hasn't been there recently. It really hasn't been there the whole season. And unfortunately we're now reaching, uh, I guess, midnight here, as I've mentioned a couple times and the clock is, it's about to, it's about to strike. And I don't think we're going to be Cinderella in this instance. I think we're going to be one of the ugly sisters uh, left at home. I have said this before, and I will say it again now. Head coach Jimmy Johnson let out a a revelation that I will never forget in terms of a head coach talking about uh, his his team and how things operate. He said, everything that you see out of my, my teams, I either coached them to do it or I allowed them to do it. I'm sorry, but I'm hearing too many times, oh, no, this player has messed around and and had an error in fielding. Oh, no, there's another base running error. I've heard that too many times. So at a point, I'm looking up and I'm saying to myself, all right, brother, are you coaching it or are you allowing it? Either way, it persists. Either way, either way you cut it or slice it, it persists. And that's the problem for me. That's, That's the thing for me personally. Understandably so. Uh, We're going to get into our ad reads. We're going to talk a bit more about baseball, likely on Monday after the result of however the rest of this series goes. But into the ad reads, today's sponsor is Built. If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need to be looking for the best tasting protein bar ever, and that is Built. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. 
And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. So head to your nearest Walmart today, pick up a four-bar box, or if you have a local Sam's Club in the area, you can pick up a 13-bar box. Built Bar, thank me later. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Sorry, my my buttons are a little slow for some reason. Uh, Okay, enough about the panic buttons. Enough about the sad stuff. The rest of this episode is going to be fun. I kind of hatched a fun idea to put a bow for now. Uh, on welcoming our new transfers to to Kevin Keats and the basketball program. And here's my idea. I'm kind of going to walk everybody through it here. So many of us are familiar with NBA 2K, the video game. It's very popular. A lot of people talk about the player ratings. You know, this player should be ranked this way. You get what I'm, you know, going for here. So I thought it'd be fun to categorize our incoming transfer class by giving them a NBA 2K player rating. So this is how this is going to work. How they do it on the video game uh, is essentially every player is rated through 99. Of course, you can't be 100 because if you're 100, you're a fake player that does everything perfectly. But a 99, think like 2012 LeBron James on the Heat. That's like a 99. So this is how we're going to do this. Because we have five transfers, uh, I'm suggesting that we give each player a score. We're going to talk about what they do well and what they need to improve. We will take that cumulative score and divide by five to give kind of like an average grade here. And then we're going to discuss on if that grade matches how we actually feel about the incoming transfer class. If this doesn't make sense, I hope it will very soon uh, as I work through this. So, As they do this on the video game, their overall rating is kind of balanced by six subcategories. That is inside scoring, outside scoring, athleticism, playmaking, rebounding, and defending. So our first player that we're going to talk about, we're going to go in chronological order of commitments. So first up is going to be Jaden Taylor. Just a quick refresher. He's a 6'4 guard from Butler. He has two years of eligibility. Uh, I'm very excited about what Jaden can bring to the table here for us. He was Butler's leading scorer last year, averaged just a tick under 13 points a game. He averaged just a tick under four rebounds a game and right around an assist and a half uh, per game. This was all on 41% shooting. He's 77% from the free throw line. Not so much of a three-point threat, but can certainly knock them down if you give them the space. He actually did hit a couple Uh, against NC State when we saw Butler in the Bahamas. But Jaden prides himself on his defense, as we've we've mentioned many times on here. 
very skilled on-ball defender, can handle the best def- or can handle the best uh, person on offense from the other team. He moves well off-ball. I'm excited about Jaden Taylor. I think he brings a lot to the table, both offensively and defensively. So my rating for Jaden Taylor is an 85. What say you, Ken? Uh, you stole my answer here. Uh, no way. I, yeah, I was actually thinking exactly an 85. I was thinking an 85. How about that? Um, I, I think that he is he's a guy that when I look at his defensive abilities and his ability to score off the dribble, those are two things that are immensely valuable. Um, and the the biggest thing that I think not enough people talk about with this game, despite the um, lackluster per se field goal percentage, if you look up and down that that Butler roster, he wasn't forcing up a ton of bad shots. His teammates just were not good scorers. He was not in a position where he could count on a bunch of other guys to knock down shots and or get open to even knock down shots. So, I mean, him taking the shots was just what needed to happen more often than not. And so I I think that his decision-making is a little underrated um, in that aspect. But with that being said, yeah, I think an 85 is good here. I honestly did not expect you to agree with me on that one. I, I oh, even thought me. I was going a little bit too high on Jaden Taylor, but I, I want to put this out there before we get too far into it. My scores are more so, I guess, what I'm projecting based on what we've previously seen in their career. I hope that makes a little bit. And, and I'll say this as well. Um, Wolfpack Nation, don't be mad at me because this is probably the only one where you're going to say I went too high. This is probably the only one. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see. So moving forward, we have DJ Horn. Uh, quick refresher on DJ, 6'1 guard from Arizona State, two years of eligibility left. He, I think he was second in scoring for the Sun Devils this past year. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, they did make it to March Madness, so he was on a good team, averaging 12.5 points, 3.5 rebounds, and 2.5 assists on 37% shooting. He's 83% from the free throw line during his career. Uh, from beyond the arc, he's about a 35 to 36% three-point shooter. His style of play, I think, is best served in a system that's very guard-oriented, which makes sense because he's now playing in Kevin uh, in Kevin Keats's system, which is very guard-oriented. So uh, I know we've mentioned this also on DJ Horn a couple times on this show. His stats from this past year, they sort of mirror exactly what Jarkel Joyner looked like uh, in his last year at Old Miss before he came to NC State and became a uh, a main fixture here. So we're hoping for more of the same out of DJ Horn. I think he can be a breakout consistent provider on offense. Um, you know, just mentioned Jaden Taylor. I think I'm going to be expecting a bit more from Jaden than DJ, but DJ Horn, he's not afraid to catch and shoot or step into a shot. A lot of his highlights that you'll see from him is just catch and release immediately. Uh, but he is also able to create enough space off the dribble to score by himself. Um, and then, like we mentioned in the last episode, I think I might expect him to do a little bit of the ball handling supplemented by Breon Pass and LJ Thomas, but we're going to have to see uh, how that all shakes out. But my rating for DJ Horn is an 81. All right. Did you like what, what's going on here? What, what's happening here? What, what? How are you? This is. I also was going to say eighty-one here. This is. You're lying. I kid you not. I kid you All not. Right. We, folks, we did not go over this in pre-production. By the way, no. This is, seriously. This is this is off the rip, and we're yeah, absolutely absolutely. I agree here. 
Um, I would say that this is a guy who, you know, he's a little undersized or not undersized, but he's a little thin. So he, he struggles at times if you get him switched on to anything besides a small point guard. But with that being said, I think his game is very similar to Jarkel Joyner, but I think he's a better shooter. I think he's a much better shooter off the catch and shoot. I don't quite think he's as explosive as Jarkel in terms of that, that right now quickness, that suddenness that is like, oh man, he just picked up his dribble and now he's gone. I don't think he has that in his bag to the same degree, but I do think that he is a better shooter, that he is a guy that in transition, if he doesn't have the ball, he's as much of a threat because we all know three is more than two. And if you find him um, spotting up in that corner, you can go ahead and count three uh, to be falling. But I, I think I like DJ Horn a lot. I, I'd say an 81. And maybe this is the last one that I match up with Grayson on. Uh, I am I might have to start telling Wolfpack Nation before the shows, hey, this is what I'm going to rate these guys. And, and just so y'all know, me and Grayson really aren't mirroring each other for mere sake here. We'll see. I, I think from here on out is where it's going to get interesting. Uh, we're going to do one more here before we squeeze in another ad break. Uh, ben Middlebrooks. This one's interesting to me. Again, refresher on Ben. 6'10", forward slash center from Clemson. Remember, he was a part of, I guess, the unofficial Jack Clark trade that we made with Clemson. He has two years of eligibility. And again, Ben was a guy where you can't so much rely on what he's done uh, for the stat sheet as he's kind of had limited time on the floor. But he's very mobile for his size. He moves well off ball. He can get up and down the court. And he is confident that he'll be able to show more of his game in Keats's system. Uh, than he was able to do under Brownell at Clemson, which I think is very funny because of the comments, uh, you know, not so long ago that we are an AAU team from a certain guard. I'll, you know, you know where that stands there, but he's a good rebounder. He's got strong hands to finish at the rim. And I I just think he's a very good depth option for our front court, but I think there's still a lot. He's going to have to prove, uh, I guess on both sides of the ball. So as it stands right now, I have Middlebrooks as a 75. All righty. Well, I was literally thinking 75, 76. Grayson, I don't know. <laughs> this is not funny anymore. Do we, do we know ball joke. or do, do we know try, ball? Try a different joke, Grayson. This is not funny anymore. I don't know what spies or FBI agents you have posted up at my location that are reading my notes here, but I agree. I would, I would say 75, 76. I think that this is a guy that we're, he is the guy to me that has the second most or not the second most, but he's one of the guys that I'm looking at and saying, there's a lot of talk about what you can do that you didn't get the opportunity to. I want to see it. I want to see you show all these things that you, because we saw he's tough, he's hard-nosed, he'll do what needs to be done in certain regards in terms of the dirty work underneath. Sure, that's not what, what you're talking about here in terms of you have a deeper bag than than what most people have seen. I need to know what can you do on a consistent basis, but I do trust you to at least do that. And that's what what gives you a 75, 76 rating in my eyes. All right. And we're going to circle this thing out with our last two uh, transfer commits after a quick word from our sponsors. All right. So to finish this thing out, we got two more players to discuss their, you know, faux NBA 2K ratings. Uh, Here we have MJ Rice. He is the guy that I've been raving about for the last probably two weeks now. Super excited to have him in the system. As I mentioned before, my, you know, my ground shaking sentence about MJ is he is a program changing 
commit. He's a 6'5 guard slash wing from Kansas. Three years of eligibility. Didn't play a whole lot at uh, Kansas. It was kind of struggling to crack the, you know, the regular rotation. Dealt with a little bit of injury, but ultimately just didn't get the playing time you would expect for a player of his caliber. But he's got the flexibility to play two through four. He plays bigger than his frame. He's just a superior athlete. Um, he's able to shoot well, which I don't think people have quite recognized about his game quite yet. Uh, he can step out beyond the perimeter and knock him down if you allow him to, but he just has a knack for scoring. He's a natural scorer. He will find ways to get the ball in the bucket. Uh, and I'm excited to see all that he can do because he's still relatively unproven. So perhaps my score here is going to be a little bit ambitious, but I'm projecting high. My rating for MJ Rice is a 92. Ah, the first one me and Grayson disagree on. And I sent right, this in the chat. Go. I sent this in the chat literally right when he said, I'm going with to like have it documented that before he said this, I I wrote this out. I'm going with an 88 here. I'm going with okay. an 88 here. I, I do think that he will be the best player in this class, but there's too many things that like I'm not sure about. Like, don't get me wrong. I do think that he can do a lot of things, but also the durability questions come into mind too. Where it's like, yes, he has the potential to be a program changer. No offense or buts about it. He plays up to his highest potential. NC State is never the same again. And I mean that from a very genuine standpoint. NC State will never be the same again if he plays up to um, his highest potential. I think of all the players that are coming in, he by far has the highest potential. And I think who, who I say has the second may shock some people. But he has the highest potential out of all of them. But with that being said, at the moment, I give him an 88 because he has a lot of good things. You're right. He can play two through four, depending on your lineup. He is very long. He is he has an NBA ready body. He has a body like he goes in the weight room and does more than looks in the mirrors. Um, he's a ball player. He can go. He can go on both ends of the floor a little bit. I like to see the defensive uh, intensity be there for the full duration of when he's on the court. Again, he didn't play that much at Kansas. So. We're not we're we're projecting more than anything else with him, but I'm going with an 88 here. And then last but certainly not least, we have Mohamed Diara, 6'10 forward slash center from Missouri. I think he has one to two years of eligibility, depending on what he chooses. Um, another guy you cannot quite rely on just his stat sheet, as he never quite reached his maximum potential, I would say, uh, at Missouri. However, he was the number one JUCO basketball player in the 2022 class. So last time I checked, they don't just hand those out for nothing. you got to be the real deal uh, to be, you know, valued that high. But he's very long, very athletic. Uh, he just has a, a raw talent if you go and watch his highlight tapes. There's a lot that he's able to do. He gets up and down the floor extremely well for a guy his size. He's quick for a guy his size. But I'm going to need to see him uh, with a more conscious effort uh, in, in the interior. I need, I'm need i going to need a lot of boards for Mo Diara. I'm going to need some rim protection for Mo Diara. You know, a couple features that he has is he is able to shoot from the outside. Um, that's not what he's going to be on the floor to do. But it's just a nice, I guess, bonus that, uh, you know, if need be, he's able to keep defenses honest uh, with a long shot every so often. But Probably the most unproven of our five transfers here. Um, not quite sure what we're going to get from Mo Diara here. So as it sits now, I have him at a 78. 
Ah, okay. I sent in this one as well just to make sure, and we are exactly four off of each other again. I've got him as a 74, but with, with me saying the 74, I think that he has the, the potential to be the second best player out of this class. I think that he has the second highest ceiling of all of these players because when I hear about him, the more I hear about him, the more I call around and ask around and all that, the more I hear he's just raw. He's just raw. He's just raw. He has all the skills. He has independently, he has all these things that work so well together that are like, hey, this is a really good player. But the reality is when he's raw and, and he's he has not um, fully developed or had the time to fully develop those skills, I'm not expecting him to come in and be a, a you know, 10 and 10 guy, double-double machine, a, a 15 and 10, 20 and 12 type of guy. I'm not expecting that right away. Um, I do think that he has the potential to be a centerpiece, to be a, a, a star in Raleigh. The potential is there based upon what I've been hearing and based upon all the things I hear. He does this well. He does that well. He does all these things well. But the, the reality of this is, the reality of this is very simply, what do we look at in terms of, um, in terms of what actually is he at the moment? That's, that's the question for me. And that's why he gets a 74 in my book. Okay, so during this, I went ahead and calculated both of our cumulative grades here, and then you take that and you divide it by 495, which is the total uh, 99 five times. My score was an 83 for our five transfers. Kenton, yours was an 81. Mm-hmm. What is your opinion? I'll let you go first. Do you agree with an 81 overall? Do you think that we are higher when you take the sum of the whole, or is 81 about right? Uh, I'd say 81 is about right in terms of the average player rating um, of this group. And I don't want anybody to think, oh, that's a grade because that's a B minus. Right. But the reality is, if you look at this and say that this is a B minus class, um, I'm going to tell you to stop it. Get some help. You know, they they have plenty of rehab centers and all that. Keep some Narcan on you because that whatever you're doing, it can cause things to go bad for you quickly. Uh, But seriously, I think that this is a situation where Coach Keats did a phenomenal job in the portal and it shouldn't be graded against like how good are these guys against 100. It should be graded against how how big of an impact do we think that these guys will have and how much better could it have gotten if we say that, hey, Keats is the best recruiter in the country or what is what do we look like against the best recruiter in the country in terms of uh, the portal? And to me, that's a definite this class is no worse than a, a flat B, maybe B plus at minimum. Yeah. So with, with my score of an 83, in my own opinion, if I were to grade the sum of a whole, I think Keats earned a solid B plus uh, with his transfer portal efforts. So 83, I think it comes out a bit low if you're using just numbers, but I think it, it's a solid B plus is what it, you know what it all shakes out to be. I think Keats did an excellent job at bringing some homegrown talent back to Raleigh, um, especially with DJ Horn, Absolutely. who is a Raleigh kid. MJ Rice is from not far down the road. Extremely talented guys that have a lot still to prove. Each one of these five still have a lot to prove about uh, you know, their own personal game. And I think that's kind of that gives them an edge. It gives them a chip on their shoulder. And I think that can only benefit us this upcoming season. So I, I'm very anxious to see how this all gels together. Um, of course, there are several 
more important pieces to this puzzle than just the transfers. But I thought thought this would be a fun way to kind of get a, a you know a grasp on what we do have coming in uh, with this exciting off season from Keats and the crew. But uh, yeah, I think we're both in agreement that it is a solid B plus. Uh, so we are interested to hear what y'all think. We want to see what you guys would grade our five incoming transfers. Let us know in the comments. Let us know on Twitter. Uh, let us know wherever you feel is necessary. We're everywhere, and we want to know what you think. Let us know what you think Keats could have done better in the portal. Let us know what you think we should have worked harder to fulfill our needs. And let us know your 2K rating because this was fun to do. It was a fun episode. So for Kenton Gibbs and myself, this has been another episode of Locked on Wolfpack. Uh, this is Cinco de Mayo when y'all are hearing this, so please enjoy yourselves responsibly. And responsibly. as always, go Pack. Go Pack. You are Locked on NC State. Your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.